You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, we have Heidi Matsky, Executive Director of Alternatives Pregnancy Center. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Zach. How have you been? I'm doing good. You have a good weekend? I did. Yeah, we had a great weekend. We uh, cleaned carpets. <laughs> oh, exciting. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, for one of our uh, galas, one of the live auction items this last year was an executive director dinner um, for 12 at my house. So I'm preparing for that this week, actually. <laughs> oh, awesome. So that that's happening really quickly after your gala took place. It is. Yes, it is. Actually, um, one of the one of the the couples that bought the executive director dinner, her daughter, um, which is a really good friend of mine, my husband helped kind of raise her in youth ministry, and she now helps my kiddos with with tutoring. Anyway, she works for the federal government. She just got a transfer um, to Germany, so she leaves in December, and so her parents bought this dinner at the gala. Um, so that we could do a going away party for her. So it worked out really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, cool. We'll get it. We're going to get into talking about that fundraiser more in a little bit, but why don't you tell me about Alternatives Pregnancy Center, maybe how it came to be, what was the, um, original start to Alternatives and then how did you get involved and, and become the executive director of that ministry? Awesome. Well, this definitely has a long and short answer, and uh, I will go for the long answer if that's okay with you. That is perfect. Okay. So Alternatives started in 1983, and it really started as a you know crisis pregnancy center strictly offering uh, resources and pregnancy testing for women who obviously were in a crisis pregnancy. And then about six years ago, uh, we became um, medical, which means we went through the California Department of Public Health, applied for a medical clinic license, and then were able to now perform ultrasounds. And um, then about two years ago, we had a, purchased a mobile clinic. And that mobile clinic, after two years and a long um, bout with the state legally, uh, back and forth with an attorney that um, has helped us push that through. We actually were able to go mobile this May. So um, Alternatives is uh, um, has a special place in my heart. So about 21 years ago, my little sister became pregnant. The day we were leaving for college, she had a doctor's appointment. She was going down to Point Loma Nazarene. And I was going to college in, at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, and we were uh, packed and ready to go. And um, my little sister had a doctor's appointment that day, and um, it was then that she found out that she was pregnant. And so really her life and, and my life, our family's life, really changed. And grew up in a Christian home and had strong Christian pro-life values. But I tell women all the time that, you know, you really don't understand um, what kinds of 
um, thoughts and pains and hurts and um, goes goes through a young woman's mind unless you're put in that situation and unless it's your future that's on the line. And so fortunately, I was there when my sister walked in from the doctor's appointment. It was just her and I, and we just kind of collapsed on the ground and prayed and asked God for wisdom. And um, 21 years later, oh, well, actually going back, um, Alternatives Pregnancy Center um, was there 21 years ago for my sister and uh, really walked her through one of the most difficult times in her life as well as my life um, and our family's life. And so um, it was because of Alternatives Pregnancy Center in Denver that when my husband and I moved to Sacramento, um, even though there was an Alternatives here, it's totally unrelated. They're, they're not um, sisters um, pregnancy centers or anything, but just happened to have the same name. And so when my husband and I moved here about 18 years ago, um, we, we've loved this ministry ever since. And, um, he, we, um, got involved and my husband was on the board for about five years. So, um, we've been at galas for the last umpteen years. We've done a lot of ministry, um, with them and for them. And, um, then it was about a year ago that, um, no, I guess it was about two years ago. Wow, time flies. <laughs> <laughs> um, about two years ago, I have, for the last uh, 18 years, worked at a financial firm in Roseville. And it was really through a lot of wrestling and uh, time alone with the Lord that I felt Him really moving um, me. And I didn't know what that meant. And about two and a half years ago, I was sitting on a lawn chair and on the beach in Maui, actually talking to a, a, one of my really close friends. And I just told her, I said, I don't know what God's doing, but I feel like he's um, preparing me for a major change in my life. And I had no idea what that was. And that brought up a lot of fear. You know, was that going to be cancer or did was somebody in my family going to die? Or was my husband who is in ministry, were we going to be transferred somewhere? I just... But you know, when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, um, I felt it in my prayer time. I felt it in worship. I felt I, I heard it in every sermon. I could just feel him preparing me. And uh, then about, oh, it was about three months later that I was speaking in women's ministries at our church. And I was actually speaking in the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews was really written to the Jews. Um, and God was so uh, amazing as he prepared his people for this major change in their life. Mm -hmm. Here, um, the Jews were, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a lesson, whether or not you want it. <laughs> but the Jews, the, the book of, of, of Hebrews was written to the Jews. And the purpose of it was to, to prepare them for this major um, transition that, that was going to happen in their life. And that here in the book of Hebrews chapter uh, nine, it talks about this old sacrificial system that God had set up and that sacrificial system, God himself set up to be kind of incomplete. Um, but it was everything that the Jews had. Um, it was everything to the Jews because it was who they were. It was what set them apart. It was their way of, of um, worshiping their God. It was their way of connecting with their God. And, um, and God, but at that time, 
Christ had already come, he had already risen, and yet the Jews were still sacrificing in the temple, and God was getting ready to destroy that temple. And so God was just preparing this the, the Jews' hearts for this massive change that was about to happen in their lives, because he was really kind of doing away with the whole old, old sacrificial system and this whole old way of relating to God. And Christ had come and created a new way. And, you know, the Jews really didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what they were doing. Everything that Christ had done was so new to them. And as I delivered that message to women's ministries, it was very clear to me as the Holy Spirit kind of smacked me in my face that um, I felt him say, Heidi, this message is not for these women. This message is for you. And this is what I'm doing in your life. I'm doing away with 18 years of of working in the same place and doing the same thing. And I have created a new way, a new way of relating to me as your God. And um, you you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. So you better hang on tight and you better just trust me. And um, that was a really scary moment in my life. But I had never felt to such degree, um, the, the scripture that talks about denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him and, um, how we can truly, truly rely on him and him alone to lead, to guide direct. And, um, I, I cried my, I'm embarrassed to say I cried myself to sleep a couple of times because I just felt like, uh, the Lord was asking too much of me as a pastor's wife and a mom of, two children whom I have to raise in the fear of the Lord still. Um, Mm -hmm. I was very overwhelmed by what he was asking of me. And I'll never forget one morning I woke up and um, I was doing my devotions that morning. And um, my devotions just happened to be on uh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac on the altar. And again, just feeling the Holy Spirit say, Heidi, anything that you put on my altar as a sacrifice is never in vain. And, um, it's been, a, an incredible year and a half journey and, um, but a privilege to just see the Lord at work anew in my life and new in this, this beautiful ministry of, of, at alternatives. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's an amazing story. So now that you've taken the captain's chair and, and jumped into leading this, this ministry, um, what are you guys doing moving forward? What has, what's been going on since you took leadership role? Yeah. Well, when I took over, what's crazy is I couldn't have taken over in a more difficult time. Um, really we had one payroll left. Um, we were in one of the most difficult financial situations that we had been in. And, um, our center was really in need of kind of an overhaul, both internally and externally. And, um, you know, it's a pleasure and a privilege to really, you know, take the reins of a nonprofit ministry that, that really is God's and a ministry that God loves because he creates these beautiful images, these beautiful beings, um, you know, as an image of who, who Christ himself is a reflection of that image. And, and God purposefully creates these little beings and he, he, um, wants to protect them and, and, you know, alternatives exist to help, to help protect the lives of innocent children and show compassionate care to women who are in desperate need of just a listening ear, um, and so 
really this last year's focus has been primarily on uh, the internal structure of the organization, rebuilding, um, setting, uh, I would say, reestablishing a new foundation. Um, there were several people that left the organization. Um, there were uh, policies and procedures that need to be rewritten. We are, because we're a licensed medical facility, we're under Title 22. So we needed to relook at what makes us medical and make sure that we are hitting the marks on every one of those, um, uh, every one of those issues under Title 22. Um, we needed really our whole website needed to be revamped. And I know a lot of people think why you're spending money on your website. And the beautiful thing of it is I didn't have to because Zach helped me <laughs> do that. Um, thank you, Zach. Hey, thanks for the shout out. Yeah. But what, what I realized needed to be done is that our number one audience comes to us because of the internet and the image that you put out there on the internet immediately, uh, tells something to, to your, the demographic that you're trying to reach about your organization. And it was, um, it wasn't a good image. Right. And so that whole thing needed to be redone. Um, Again, we needed to hire new people. We needed to set a foundation financially. So we cut all spending. Everything um, was really cut to try to begin to build a financial foundation to build upon. And we just did everything bare bones. And then God just blessed. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. So <clears throat> as you've stepped into this role and you you guys are making these structural changes to the organization and um, kind of rebuilding from the ground up. Um, what are some of the hardest lessons you've learned through that process? Because obviously that comes with a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges, um, some successes. So what are the, some of the strategies that you guys have implemented and um, maybe some of the lessons you've learned through that process? Um, well, I can't emphasize enough, especially as uh, the executive director the importance of just being in God's word and daily relying on him. I've told many people over the last year and a half who've said, you know, you've been working, you know, 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week. How do you keep, you know, your time with the Lord a priority? And I tell you what, there is, um, I couldn't do it without the Lord. I mean, every moment of every day, it's either, Lord, help me in this conversation, help me make this decision, help me um, help me communicate to this employee how valuable they are. How, no, I have never needed him more um, in my life than I have needed him the last year and a half. And so it really has come as a complete um, surrender every day to him and his will and what he wants me to do. And, you know, then armoring up, <clears throat> putting on that armor of God every single day and then, uh, fasting and praying. And I don't take fasting lightly and, you know, but the Bible talks about, you know, when you, when you fast, you know, you're not talking about it with people, but in a, in an overall overarching concept, fasting has been a massive part of, what what I believe has made us successful this last year, and um, I make mm. that a part of my weekly um, my weekly routine with the Lord. And you know, I could give you all kinds of things that we've done and and the successes that we have, but I really truly believe that the foundation of the success that we have rests on the fact that 
we have every day acknowledged God and sought him in everything that we've done. And he has put just the right people in our place and, and in front of us to help and guide and direct. And we have asked him for that. We have invited him into that. And then just fasting and praying on a regular basis has been huge. And we've seen God bless in ways that, um, you know, just doesn't happen uh, without that. Right. And as the leader of the organization, are you inviting your staff into that, that fasting and praying uh, process as well? Is that something that you've invited them into? Obviously, you can't like mandate it and, and make your staff fast and pray, but, but obviously as leaders of organizations, we want to, we want to be leading in, in a direction. And so, um, is that something that you've invited them into? Absolutely. So every morning um, before we get going on our day, we have a time of devotion, and I use two different devotionals for that. Uh, I use Solid Joys, which is uh, John Piper's daily devotional, and then I also use an app called uh, Bible in a Year, and it gives you a little bit of Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs, and then it will give you um, kind of a recap uh, in the beginning before you start reading, reading the Bible. And, or we also do power. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. What is that one? Um, oh, what is it called? I'm forgetting the other one. So I, we use, we do a devotional every single morning and then we spend time in prayer and the ladies at the office know which day is my fasting day. And they're invited to be a part of that or to create their own day. And then absolutely. So, uh, before every event, every major event that we have, we spend as a team, I invite the board um, and I invite staff to be a part of that day of fasting. And it's very specific. So I'll send out an email ahead of time just saying, here is what we're asking the Lord for. Uh, so be in prayer for that. Here is how I am fasting. Please choose to do whatever you want, but I invite you to be a part of that. So absolutely. And then your first question, which I don't know if I ever really answered, was you know, what have been the difficult parts of this last a year and a half in this last journey. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, one of the things that I remember very clearly before I actually said yes to this um, incredible position, and that was, I felt I, just during my prayer time and crying out to the Lord, I just, I literally said to him, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never ran a medical clinic before. Um, yes, I've, you know, been the director of a health insurance organization and I understand management and, and I've been a pastor's wife for the last 18 years. So I understand women and I'd seen ways that he'd equip me. This was totally new for me. This was totally new territory. And I just remember saying to him, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I just, I, I need your help. And, and I'll never forget feeling the Holy Spirit say to me, Heidi, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going. And <laughs> you you better hang on tight and you better um, lean on me in every way and trust me in everything that you do. And when I make this organization successful, you get no credit for it. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's like people ask me all the time, you know, you, 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 you say often, you know, you hear the Holy Spirit say this or you hear the Lord say that. And, uh, and how is that? And I said, I say quite frequently, I know that it's him because he often says, 
things I don't want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that is always very consistent with his work. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, one of the most difficult parts, uh, of one of the d- most difficult things about taking over an organization like this is really, especially with what I was going through, there was no prior knowledge on how to run a medical clinic. And so right. truly it was get in there. What makes a medical clinic? Uh, what, you know, what organizations, crisis pregnancy centers are successful? How are they successful? Why are they successful? Um, and then getting a lot of advice and seeking out people who have done it well, um, get a lot of wisdom. Um, and then just with humility, being willing to, um, take risks and, and trust the Lord in the, in those times. So that has been a really difficult thing for me, Yeah, but a very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that resonates with me so much as well. That like the idea that not knowing what we're doing, uh, and it's, it's beautiful to see God work in that in our weaknesses, like when we show up and say, Hey, look, I'm being obedient. I've, I've stepped out into this call. I'm trying to be faithful to what you've asked me to do, but I have no idea what I'm doing. You're just going to have to do it all. And, and he does. And that's beautiful because it shows his power and, and, and glory through us. And that's, that's so cool. It does. And, you know, we, we, we even share this with the women that come into the center. And that is that, you know, I think a lot of women think, well, where's the Lord been? Well, why, why am I in this position? Why do I feel the things that I feel? And, you know, really what the Lord asks of us is that you be obedient first. You seek out me in faith and trust and you deny yourself. You deny your own desires and you take up your cross and you follow me. And then after you do that, you're going to see me show up and do amazing things for you. But you have to be the one to trust me first. And um, that has been an incredible lesson for me this last year and a half. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I want to transition a little bit. uh, And this is going to, we're going to go off notes slightly from what we had talked about offline. But um, just so that our listeners have a little context about what you guys are doing. I mean, hopefully for the most part, Christians, and especially ministry executives, which is primarily our audience, know what uh, is going on around abortion in our country. Um, but I mean, since Roe v. Wade, the the slaughter of innocent unborn children is is devastating. It's it's crazy what has happened. And so I, I think maybe it would be helpful to talk about that and um, just give some context about, behind what you guys do, what the purpose of Alternatives Pregnancy Center is. Obviously, you guys are going beyond just um, trying to save babies. In that you're you're there for the the mom as well and the family as a whole, um, and that's beautiful. But let maybe talk about abortion and what what your role is in that. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to trying to bring uh, bring awareness to that and and get us out of this wickedness that that our country is in. Right. So Alternatives Pregnancy Center's mission is to provide hopeful alternatives 
to abortion um, for women facing unplanned pregnancies. And we realize as much as we envision this culture uh, that abortion doesn't exist, we realize that there's going to always be an unplanned pregnancy. And so um, abortion is, um, is devastating to women. It's devastating to men that participate in it. And obviously it's a loss of a, of a beautiful life that God created. And so we understand that women make decisions based out of fear. And a lot of times those decisions are very quick decisions. And so alternatives really exist to be a place that does not benefit from the choices that a woman makes either life or, or, or abortion or death. Um, we exist to help and help a woman walk through, um, in whatever time frame that she needs the decision of, of choosing life and the consequences of, um, their actions. And then if a woman chooses life, then we, we give her, um, like I said, free pregnancy tests. We do free ultrasounds. And then after choosing life, we support her through the pregnancy and through the first year of a woman's life. So we support her by parenting classes, mentoring on a monthly basis, and then providing her the resources that she needs to be healthy and to, um, enable her to, um, be an incredible mom and clothe and diaper and have diapers and food and, um, wipes and all the things, baby clothes, all the things that she needs to provide for her, for her child. So. Yeah, that's amazing. And one of the things that stuck out to me, um, so for our listeners sake, we're, helping alternatives design some new 2016 highlight booklets that they're going to send out to their own audience. Uh, and one of the, the statistics in that booklet that we're, we're helping them build um, was that what Heidi, correct me if I'm wrong, but like 71% of the, the women that come into your pregnancy center have, have decided to choose life in the last year. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. And that, you know, we, when an ultrasound is provided for a woman, that 71 percentage is very accurate. Um, and it seems to be fairly consistent from year to year between 70 and 75%. So when we have the opportunity to really show a woman, um, a window into her womb and to see the baby, it, it creates a, a, a connection immediately for most women with with their unborn child at that point. Just to give you an illustration, about three weeks ago, we had a young woman who our office typically closes at four o'clock and at about 3.50, she walked in and said that she had slept through her alarm for an appointment with plan, uh, an abortion appointment with Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to know if we provide abortions and she wanted an abortion as soon as possible. And of course, we we share with all of our clients that we are not a, a abortion provider, nor do we refer for abortion. Um, but we could um, verify her pregnancy, and we could give her a free ultrasound at that very moment. Typically, we don't do ultrasounds for women right away unless they're abortion vulnerable. And in this situation, we felt very strongly that we needed to offer her that right away. And so. 
um, Oksana, our nurse, got her prepped and ready and took her into the room. And as they performed the ultrasound, she uh, it revealed not one heartbeat, but two. And it was incredible. You know, oh, when wow. you are in the room standing next to an abortion vulnerable woman who is for the first time seeing this life within her, you catch a glimpse of our mission and our passion for why we do what we do. And it was crazy because in that moment, her exact words were, oh my gosh, they don't look like blobs. They look like real babies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is, that is, um, what's communicated to them at Planned Parenthood. You know, this is just a blob of tissue and, um, they don't have the opportunity to see the heartbeat or to see their babies moving or their baby moving in the womb. And so we give them that opportunity to see what's really going on inside of them, regardless of whether they choose life or not. And Mm -hmm. going back to also your, your, your first question about, you know, the world of abortion, the world that we really do live in, the the abortion of choice today is is really either a, a, um, a chemical abortion, which is the RU486 pill, or uh, surgical abortions. And the statistics that are out there today say that abortion is declining. And that is because the RU486 pill or the abortion pill, as as most of our society knows it as, um, are not – there's no one keeping track of how often that, that a prescription is given out. Mm. And so because a, a pill is very easy, um, the abortion pill is the abortion of choice right now. And what that is is it's a series of two pills. Typically, when a woman decides that she wants to have a chemical abortion with, uh, you know, a, something like Planned Parenthood, um, they go in and they're given the prescription and they are usually have to take that first dose right in front of a medical professional. They don't want them taking that medication with them or, um, or going home and deciding, you know, not to take that, which is kind of a scary thing, mm-hmm. I believe. They're being kind of forced into taking this medication before they leave the doctor's office. And then in 48 hours, they will take the second pill. So the first pill really um, begins to starve the baby to death. And within 48 hours, the second pill basically causes uterine contractions and causes a, a young woman in her home or in her bathroom to begin having that abortion uh, uh, through uterine contractions and typically in a bathroom on the toilet and and that that infant that baby is is basically flushed down the toilet um, and then you have this woman who's dealt with just the pain and and the blood and the mess of of a miscarriage or an abortion right there in 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 your bathroom and then cleaning up after that and then the emotional trauma that happens thereafter because the pain from what we've been told is very intense um and and that is the abortion of choice because it is easy mm-hmm. um a chemical abor- uh, or i'm sorry a, a surgical abortion um you know is it you go into a doctor's office and you know they numb you and there's a nurse and a doctor in there and and they take care of what what is the problem in their eyes? And then, then you leave with the emotional scars and the trauma of, of that abortion. And so what I really want the audience to know as well is we have the pleasure of 
helping women for the first time ever in the midst of an abortion, in the midst of a chemical abortion with a new procedure called um, abortion pill reversal therapy. And so for the first time ever, we have the ability to catch a woman in between the first pill and the second pill and to prescribe a drug called progesterone, which has been used for years, Mm -hmm. um, to then begin to refeed the baby, begin to re- um, provide nutrients back to the baby. And in, um, I believe it's like 52% of the time, if we can catch a woman in between the first pill and the second pill within that 48 hours, 52% of the time they can reverse the effects of the abortion pill and a woman can still have the opportunity to have a healthy baby. So that's kind of what we're looking towards this next year, um, and being a part of God willing. And, uh, we, um, but, but the other thing is too, the, what I love about alternatives is that we're there if, if, and when a woman chooses life and we're also there when a woman doesn't. And one of the things we, if you want to, if you want to know what I'm absolutely passionate about, and that is that a woman who does choose an abortion needs to know that she is forgiven and needs to know that, that there's a God who, um, loved her mm-hmm. and loves her who created her and cares deeply about her soul and wants to be reunited and reconnected with her. And it was through Christ's very death on the cross that gives her the f- freedom to then accept that forgiveness and accept that grace and, and then turn around and walk in, in a manner worthy of the gospel. And that's the beauty of, of our center is we do not benefit financially from a woman's decision. Um, we are hundred percent donor funded and we have this incredible privilege of even when, when a woman doesn't, um, we are there for her and we want her to know that she's a child of God and she's forgiven and she's loved and she can live a life that's set free mm-hmm. of that abortion. And, um, and that, that's, that's an incredible thing that we have the privilege, privilege of doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, abortion, obviously as believers, we, we believe that it's, it's murder, but we serve a God that we can't out sin his grace, right? So he, he, yes, he, he, this breaks his heart and it, it, I, I mean, I can't imagine that the pain he feels when, when an abortion is, when that is the choice. Um, but it's not something that he's not willing to forgive and his grace does cover it. And, um, that's what's so amazing about his love for us is that he, he does cover that. And, and that's, that's beautiful. As long as we're willing to say, Lord, your Lord, and I accept that grace. And I believe in what you've done for me. And, you know, so there's something beautiful. There's, there's beauty within that. And, um, even though it's, I mean, Ultimately, I think this is a really difficult subject to talk about, and I think that Christians as a whole um, are are maybe numb or ignorant to it because it is so difficult to talk about and and is such a controversial subject. Uh, we tend to want to be passive about it, and um, that's the last thing we need to be is passive. Um, well, and one of the uh, I see quite often because I'm in ministry, because I've been in ministry for, you know, almost 20 years now, um, young women who grow up in the church, who have 
incredible families and who would say they are very pro-life when a young woman in that situation finds herself pregnant. A lot of times, you know, she goes to Planned Parenthood and that's uh, for an abortion. And that's because these young women, number one, some of them know that Christ will forgive them. And some of them have this understanding that, you know, they don't want to bring shame to their family and they don't want to bring shame to God. And to me, that's just, there's nothing further from the truth that to, to, to be in that situation and, um, to have the Lord create life within you and then to look at him and, and trust him and to say, okay, Lord, this was not my plan. This is not what I would have chosen for myself, but you created this incredible life within me and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk forward in faith. You know, I watched my sister 21 years ago, um, you know, in her eyes, she felt she brought shame to our family. She felt she brought shame to the Lord. You know, she brought shame to uh, the church youth group that, you know, she was pretty much raised in and, you know, the testimony that she had all throughout high school, she felt shame for that. And yet, she chose to face it head on and she chose uh, life and she actually went before our entire congregation and asked for forgiveness, which <laughs> is an incredibly hard thing to do for a, a young 19 year old who, oh, yeah. you know, as has been raised with the raised in this church. And, and so, um, but I do, we do recognize that many women, you know, don't, don't choose life. And then, they live for the rest of their lives captivated by the enemy. And even as believers, I truly believe that women who have had abortions, who are Christians, um, who haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to forgive them and heal them, you know, are really living insufficient lives for the Lord. And, uh, and I think that's a very hard thing to do. One of the biggest learning experiences, again, going back to one of the things that I learned the most early on in this organization is that I began to share my story. Somebody at the center had asked me, so Heidi, why are you here? Why are you doing what you're doing? And, you know, I began to share with her my sister's story and how it's this story of life and how it's, you know, my sister 18 years ago or 21 years ago, you know, chose life and, you know, life has a ripple effect of life and how beautiful that is. And, you know, I saw her just begin to immediately shut down. And this was a volunteer at our center. She's been a volunteer for years. And, and I, you know, I had just met at her for the first time and had no idea what her story was. And that night I went home and as I was replaying that conversation in my head and just praying to the Lord, like, why, why did she respond that way, Lord? Why, you know, most people, when you share that story, they get excited. And, you know, again, the Holy Spirit revealed to me, Heidi, um, I've absolutely called you here. I've absolutely called you to do this, um, to do this job, but you need to realize right out of the gate that there are many women that do not have the story of life. And, um, there are many women who are living in the bondage of, of the enemy. And, um, and so caring for those women. And I, I don't remember the, the scripture right off the bat, the, um, where it's located, but you know, we are called to set captives free. We are called to loosen the the chains of the enemy and at alternatives, we have the privilege of doing that every day. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Well, I want to transition a little bit. Um, one of the things that 
uh, amazed me about you guys was your the fundraising that you guys do and and the process you go through to, in order to do that. So, uh, and I specifically want to talk about your the gala, your annual gala, your gala for life. And um, we were we had the pliver, my wife and I had the pl- privilege of attending your gala this year, and um, we were just amazed at how well it was run and and how at least from our perception without hiccup it went off i don't know on the background what what if that was the actual <laughs> case but uh, as a as an audience member it, it just that seemed... just means we did our job <laughs> yes <laughs> we made it look a certain way yeah so it just uh, it, it was a really great event and and obviously it was a hugely successful event for you guys i mean this is the biggest fundraising event in in the ministry's history correct correct yeah it was so let's talk about that a little bit and um specifically Maybe talk about what your guys' process is with list building, how you guys are going about um, getting the right people to the event, because uh, I think it's a there's a temptation when we're trying to create an, a, a fundraiser as a ministry to just invite everybody that we know. Um, but is there are, are you guys targeting specifically uh, a certain audience and, and invitees? What's that look like? Well, I have to say that I've had the privilege of taking over uh, an event, this gala, that has been successful over the last many years. And there's already a donor database that was somewhat established. And yes, during the you know difficult transition of me stepping in and God kind of gutting the place a little bit, and uh, there were some uh, donors that, that um, we weren't able to capture, and that's okay. Um, so to begin with, there was a a good foundation that was there and that was built and and the event itself, there was a solid foundation that was there. Mm -hmm. So then what do we do from there? So, uh, last year, again, being very internally focused and being very careful on how we spend our resources, I cannot stress enough how, again, just the importance of, of prayer and fasting and asking God for wisdom with your particular organization. What, what, it, what are your goals in, in the fundraiser? What are you trying to accomplish? And, um, what do you want to communicate to the donors? You know, I said to my team, uh, the first week as we began planning, look, we need to begin to think of when those people walk out of that event, what feelings do we want them to have? And then we need to start from backwards and, and go, you know, go backwards from there. What right. then, what does that event look like? Because you really want those donors to leave there being so grateful for your organization, seeing the massive impact that it's making, and then they want to be a part of it. And how do we include them in this process? And one of, in my old uh, job in health insurance, my old boss used to say to me, to be successful in any kind of networking um, with donors, with clients, you need to imagine that every person has a sign hanging around their neck and that sign says, make me feel important. Um, you know, and it sounds very, um, uh, what's the word? It sounds, um, it sounds a little arrogant, if you will, you mm-hmm. know, to, to follow that pattern, but really you, what you want to, to do at the end of your event is you want to be connecting with all of these people. You want to make them feel important. You want to make them feel uh, validated in, in their journey with you in this 
ministry and inviting them in to be a part of it. And so really that's, that was kind of our vision where, how do we want to end it? And then again, moving backwards from there. And for us, it was introspective. It was, it was really about, like I said, administratively building this foundation. So we knew we had very little resources to work with. And because I was pinching every penny that we could, you know, it was how can we make this event successful without spending a lot of money? And then praying and asking the Lord for wisdom with that. One of the the mistakes I feel a lot of organizations make in gala events is is the spe- a speaker and unless you have somebody that's absolutely dynamite who everybody is excited to hear i think that donors really come to an event to hear about your organization and to hear how it's influenced the lives of people and your community and when you have a speaker it doesn't always, um, your event doesn't always end with those goals in mind, mm-hmm. if I'm making sense at all. And so one of the things that we did this last two years is we decided, you know what, we're not going to have a speaker. We're not going to pay for a speaker. We're going to cut a lot of the extras and we're just going to focus on the lives that we've impacted and how we've helped our community this last year. And I really believe that that was what helped these last couple of galas be so successful because it wasn't in the numbers to be quite honest. Um, So two years ago's gala, uh, we normally have about 450 people at at an event. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two years ago, the week before the event, we only had 225 people registered and if you can imagine me as the you know as new director new director how frightening that was and truly just laying before the lord and fasting and praying regularly and so uh, i think the night of the gala we still only had about 305 people at the event our goal was to raise ninety two thousand dollars and to net about um you know, about 50,000, 40,000, which is crazy. Those events typically only net you about 50% if, if you're doing the event well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that year, that first year, we, we were looking to, to gross 92,000. And we had done that the year before, and we ended up grossing 111. Wow. And we had really 150 less people in the room. So a bigger event doesn't always translate into more dollars. And I think that is important for an audience to understand. It really is about having the right people in the room and not necessarily about having the room full. Now, you have really two objectives when you have an event like that. You really, even if even if people are, you have a full room, the beauty of that is you're getting your word out people, more people are hearing about you, more people are hearing about your mission. Um, but then, you know, it really comes down to dollars. How much money is the organization going to bring in for this cause? Right. And, um, and then this last year truly was another miracle. I, because we raised 111 with only, you know, 300 people in the room, I increased it to 100 
$24,000, which I just felt like was uh, shocking for me and scary at the same <laughs> time. And it really was not about bigger and better and more. It was really like, okay, Lord, you did this this year. I trust you to do this next year. Uh -huh. And just stepping out in, in a leap of faith. And again, this year, I'll tell you what, it, um, two weeks before the event, a week before the event, we still only had like 230 people registered and which is, is shocking. And, and then you go, okay, Lord, you did this last year. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm not going to let the enemy, you know, um, uh, defeat us in this. And this year we had less, we had 200 and I want to say 85 people in the room. Wow. And yeah, we raised almost $140,000, which was unheard of. We've never raised that much money um, before. So, uh, you know, I, again, I go back to what the Holy Spirit told me, you know, two years ago. And that was, Heidi, you just better hang on tight and you don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to make this successful and you don't get any credit. <laughs> I, I give him all the credit for that. Um, but again, it, it does take somebody who is driving forward, who is trusting him and, and doing all the necessary things to make this event so successful. And um, it is about having the right people in the room. And I will say that that comes from not one person. It really comes from everybody involving everyone's networks that are involved in, in, in the ministry itself. So, you know, all your staff and the people that they they surround themselves with inviting them all your board and their networks of people uh surrounding them all the churches that you're involved in and including them in this it really takes lots of different networks to continue to build an organization successfully and you know i think that that's been a very difficult challenge for alternatives and why it has somewhat remained stagnant over the last several years is because you've got a lot of the same board members you've got a lot of the same networks that have been tapped into year after year and that can only go so far for an organization and then um, when i when i came to the picture you know i brought a whole new network of people and after 18 years of ministry and um, I worked at a financial firm in Roosevelt doing health insurance and in that doing health insurance benefits and in doing that I was involved with offering benefits to a lot of churches in the area and so I brought a lot of my network with me um, when I came to, to alternatives and so that has helped us to continue to grow. Yeah. beyond what was being done. And I cannot stress the importance of, you know, um, new, new board member or old board members terming out and bringing new board members on. And with those new board members, making sure that, you know, they, they're bringing with them a network of people as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for a little context for our listeners, um, just how the event kind of took place as, as an audience member, we walked in, we signed up or, or put our name in, or or got of all of our uh, gala information, and then we walked into a silent auction. And there was, I think, the silent auction probably went for it felt like an hour, maybe forty five right. minutes. And then from there, we transitioned from silent auction into um, a the dinner slash some speakers slash live auction. Um, but during that time, as as a 
creative and as, as a storytelling agency for ministries, the thing that stuck out to me the most, um, and I think the thing that can um, help other ministries um, is the thing that you guys did so well is you told the story of the your clients that you guys are serving, the, the women that you guys have served and have blessed and um, have been there for. You you brought them up and you told their story and got the you got to you gave the audience some insight into what you're doing uh, at a tangible level. And that storytelling, uh, that, that physical showing of what you guys are doing in the community, what you guys are doing with these w- women um, was a, such a huge impact. Uh, the, I don't think there was a dry eye in the, in the audience um, when we heard those stories. And when we heard, when we heard the stories on both at the podium and on, on the videos. Um, but that storytelling is, incredibly powerful. And as ministries, if we can figure out what our our core story is uh, and we can tell that story, that's going to make our fundraising so much more um so much more successful because it's driven by story and we're we're affected as humans at an emotional level by story. And that's how Christ chooses to speak to us through his word is through story. And so um, story; those stories were so impa- so powerful, and I think that that is one of the reasons why that event was so uh, successful. Among other things, I mean, it was just really well done. You had great vendors uh, that you partnered with, and so all those elements were there. Um, but then that story element, driving that home, was what I think pushed it over the edge and made the thing so successful. So well done to you guys for that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, it our theme this last year was really build strong. And that goes back to, you know, building strong internally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. And, you know, there's no greater scheme of the devil than an abortion and what abortion does in the lives of women and families. And, and so that's really what we wanted to demonstrate at the gala this year is that we can um, be strong internally because God has established us and this is his ministry. And then really, again, how have we helped women be strong this last year? And I, I did something that wasn't necessarily recommended. Uh, I put those women on the stage and that's a very scary thing to do is to just hand (laughs) over a mic to, you know, your clientele who are, uh, you know, lower income population, many are medical, many are uneducated and, you know, to, to put them on a platform in front of 300 people and put a mic in their hand is a really scary thing to do. And I have to say this one gal, the one gal that you're referring to, I, I, my goal in this event was to have a client for every single table in the room. And so to put that client on stage and in three sentences say how alternatives helped them to grow stronger this last year. And um, then to have her give her the mic to give in three sentences, which they were supposed to have written out ahead of time, um, um, to kind of just share in three sentences, look, all, this is why alternatives help. This is how alternatives helped me to grow stronger this year. And then to give that client an opportunity to look at a donor table and to thank them personally, um, you know, was my goal to have one client per table. And, you know, that was a, that was a lofty goal. And what I realized halfway through that event, which, you know, most people didn't know was that 
I had to cut half those people because we just didn't have the time for it, which was really hard to do. Um, but the one, there was one client that came in and didn't even know if she was going to be there. And I heard for the very last minute that she came and it was one of the clients that I really wanted the audience to hear. She's a young 16 year old was, um, was looking for an abortion whose parents wanted her to have an abortion abortion. And, you know, she came to our center she chose life at the age of 16 has a, has a great boyfriend who is supportive of her. And, um, and she's been going through our parenting classes and is just an incredible bright young woman. And when I went to the back in a side room that our clients were being held, I, I went up to her and I said, I never saw your three sentences on how you're building strong. What, what are you going to say when you get up there? And she goes, Heidi, I just want to say whatever comes to mind. <laughs> and I said, I, I'm having such a hard time with that because I need to know. I said, just, you know, give me an idea. And, you know, that, that was a really scary moment. And then I realized, you know what, Lord, this is your ministry. This is your young woman who has chose life and, and is here to represent you, not us. And so I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to surrender these fears right now. And I'm just going to let you being in, in control and, and just saying, Lord, I trust you. And so when we got on stage with her, oh my gosh, it was gut wrenching. I, I simply shared, you know, that here's a young woman who, you know, God has, built stronger this last year and here's how and handed her the mic and she just knocked it out of the park oh, and yeah. just shared how um alternatives really came in the most difficult time in her life and she had incredible support with us and looked forward to coming to us every every um month and we are the reason that her baby has food and clothing and diapers and all those things and then she looked at a table who was standing, um, full of donors. And, and she said, I want to come hug you. Will you. Can I come hug you? And she went off the stage and she was just engulfed by this whole, um, table of donors and they just loved on her. And she had her little three month old baby in her arms. And it was just one of the most precious, precious moments I will never forget in my life. It was very special. And, you know, again, when you're doing the Lord's work and you're about, um, you know, really leaning on him for wisdom on how to move forward. He, he gives that to you. You just, you just have to move forward and, and trust and faith. And again, surrender your own desires for, for what his are. And you'll be blessed every single time you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we have time for one more question. Um, so we're going to transition a little bit, but how are you guys working discipleship into what you guys do? Uh, obviously, your your goal is to help women and um, and hopefully rescue babies from abortion and and um, encourage women to choose life. Um, but how are you working discipleship into that? What does that look like for you guys? So we have 24 client advocates, and these client advocates are trained in crisis uh, crisis training. When a woman is in crisis, how, what do you do? They're not licensed counselors, um, but they have gone through a very specific training and, um, we require that of every client advocate. The client advocate meets the woman, uh, uh, right when she comes to the center, she fills out an intake form and then a client advocate comes out and takes her into um, a room and then begins to discuss her situation. Every client is very different. Uh, every client has different needs. Every client is, is there 
for different reasons. And so really the bottom line is what is that client's need? But I tell our client advocates that I believe that God brings every single woman into our doors for a reason. And yes, we have an opportunity to sit with her in the middle of a crisis situation, but we also have the opportunity to bring hope that she is not going to get outside of this place. And so I really encourage every client advocate to be to, to listen and then to ask for the Holy Spirit's wisdom and guidance and then to be very bold in sharing the hope of Christ. Because, yes, we were there to save lives physically, but we're also there to save lives for all eternity. And again, very something I'm very passionate about. And you have client advocates who are very unique in personality and so share the gospel in very unique ways. And um, uh, and have they have different strategies. For instance, we have one client right now who um, one of our client advocates shared the gospel with. She has basically atheists, doesn't know God, never heard about God, um, and is being introduced to God for the very first time in the concept of who God is. And so we have uh, the gospels, the New Testament it's um, the Gospels in chronological order, and it's just the New Testament. So it's a small little paperback book. And really, our client advocates, uh, or this particular client advocate, because she's in this position, is go- every on a biweekly basis is going through the Gospels with her. Mm. And um, then we have another client who was it was had gone through our parenting program which is a priority and she graduated from that parenting program her when she came to us she came to us seeking an ultrasound picture of her baby that she could keep as a momentum a memento for uh, you know, the abortion that she was really going to have. And again, when she saw that window into her womb uh, through the ultrasound, it wasn't her heartbeat. It wasn't, you know, the baby's body. She just said it, it's her head. You know, her head is, is so big. And that was <laughs> the one thing that made her choose life. And so again, walked through her pregnancy, walked through her first year and she single mom, young mom, um, uh, you know, got, went out and got a job and, and just needed that support and those resources that we could provide for her and that encouragement on a regular basis because she has no support anywhere else. And, and uh, she she graduated from the program. And the day she graduated, she came into my office and she said, "I need to talk to you." And I and I said, "Sure." And and she said, "You know, I've graduated." And I congratulated her and hugged her and told her how proud of her I was. And and she said, "No, you don't understand. This isn't a happy day for me." She said, um, "I I I don't have anywhere to go. You you are my only support." And um, you've been my only support for the last two years. And I kind of feel like you're abandoning me. And, you know, that broke my heart because certainly that's not what we want to do. And so we started a new program for her and for anyone like her, um, where she comes on a, on a bi-monthly basis and, and does a Bible study of, of between what her and her mentor chooses. So again, we go through the gospel of John with them. We'll, we'll choose, um, uh, you know, um, different Bible study platforms that are tailor made for what that client needs at that time. Um, and so the, the, 
only way, though, that we agreed to continue seeing her was that if she was connected with a church and that she was connected with a mom to mom group, because it's not our responsibility as a as a pregnancy center to necessarily um, equip them in God's word. That's the church's responsibility. And ultimately, our goal is to get these young women connected with a mom to mom group in a church where they could be mentored and, and they can be in church on a regular basis and grow in their love relationship with the Lord. And so we, we are only doing that with her because we love her, we care about her, and we want to see her grow in the Lord, but also if she's connected um, and partnered um, with a church. And so I think I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that program is kind of like a transition from graduating it's a to program. Yeah. Okay, cool. Very cool. Well, that's that's amazing. I'm I'm so happy to hear um uh, how you guys are working that discipleship aspect into what you're doing and um it's obvious that the gospel is such a important piece to uh, and driving force behind what you guys are doing, especially coming from your leadership, Heidi. Um, so well done, and um, thank you guys for doing what you're doing in this in this area. Uh, well, this has been amazing. Um, I think this is going to add so much value or bring so much value to other ministry executives and church leaders. Um, can I pray for you and your ministry real quick? That'd be amazing. Thank you, Zach. Father, we just lift up Alternatives Pregnancy Center and Heidi as she leads this organization and ministry, as she steps out into faith every day. Um, to to do what you've asked of her. Um, sometimes it's uncomfortable, and um, I just pray that you would lead her and guide her and encourage her through this, um, leading this amazing ministry. Father, I pray that Alternatives Pregnancy Center would be a light and a beacon to uh, women in the Sacramento region and beyond, and I just pray that um, you would do amazing things uh, in this in this ministry and that you would rescue the unborn and, um, but also rescue the mothers of the unborn and the families of the unborn um, because all lives need to hear about your good news and your grace and your um, love for us. Father, we thank you so much that you do love us, that you died for us, that you sent your son and, and resurrected and, and um, that you just care so much about, about us. And so thank you for that. And um, thank you for your guidance and we love you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Heidi, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about Alternatives Pregnancy Center? Absolutely. They can call us um, either at the center, and our number is 916-880-4040, or online. We're Alternatives with an S, PC for PregnancyCenter.org. Um, there's many alternatives, so that's the one that's our Sacramento location. Um, and then we're also on Facebook and, and Twitter and LinkedIn. So, um, and then my personal cell, which I'm more than happy to give out actually. Oh, hey, um, look at so, that. <laughs> so if there's anybody that has questions about anything I've said throughout the program, my personal cell is 916-521-5070. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for giving us your, some of your time this morning and, uh, we wish you guys the best and we continue to pray for you and, and alternatives. And thank you, Zach. I mean, I just give another shout out to Zach and, and his ministry who came to us at a very transitional time. And, and uh, he was one of those answers to prayer. Um, he came to us and, and, you know, it was, can I share a quick story or am I out of time? No, absolutely. 
Um, so I, again, just how, how God works in his great way. Becky, his wife, is a client advocate at our clinic. And I just happened to be sharing with her one day how our center needs to be revamped and its website redone and all of our printing materials redone. And she just shared with me out of the blue, oh, that's what my husband does. And um, he does this for, for nonprofit ministries. And uh, and then, you know, gave, gave me his number and you were, I believe in Africa at that point or somewhere Uganda, yeah, I think so. um, helping another ministry. And so when you got back, we, we were able to connect and, and within a matter of, of months, we had a new website, new brochures, and it, it really did make an incredible difference in, in the face of our organization as it's seen to our client. And so I just can't thank Zach enough for, for all of his help with that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. We're happy to hear that that it's helped out in some way. So, absolutely. Well, All cool, right, Heidi. you take care, Zach. Thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, you too. Bye. All right, bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and/or review us on the iTunes Store, and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.